It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. Al Sacco, Zane Nafi, 49ers web zone, No Huddle Podcast. As of this recording, we're recording this on a Thursday, we are one week away from NFL kickoff. Zane, I cannot wait. I can't wait to get the season kicked off. It's a weird game. I mean, the Lions and Chiefs isn't a normal matchup, I guess you'd think you're going to see on a Thursday night. But I'm all kind of in on the, you know, it's going to be fun to watch the Lions go against them. I'm kind of in on the Lions this year. They're a fun team. When was the last time we saw the Lions in any sort of week one marquee game? It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Because never. They, it never happens because they're always kind of the bottom feeders of the, of the NFC and uh, they've had winless season and all that stuff. So it's cool. Dan Campbell's done a really good job. They've got a really talented team there. Jared Goff is seemingly a good fit for them. And we thought that the Lions, I know this is not a Lions podcast, but it's interesting to talk about that situation because it, it kind of mirrors the 49ers situation where it was a team that we thought that that wouldn't do very well. And they kind of surprised a lot of people. Like 2019, I think that was was that was kind of like the year for the 49ers where there was like, all right, they're kind of an inconspicuous sort of team, an innocuous team, and all of a sudden they come out of nowhere and they're they're stacking up five or six wins in the first six weeks and and they took the league by storm. So Detroit's like the darling pick for a lot of people. It's kind of nice to see them get some love. And like the beginning of the football season is awesome because I'm a bigger, do you play fantasy football? I do. I'm probably in too many leagues because like yeah, three of them I'm a big dormant. fantasy guy. It's like that time of year for me when like all I'm thinking about is my fantasy team. It's like that meme where the guy's in bed with his wife or his girlfriend and she's like, what is he thinking about? And he's got this whatever it is in his head. And like, I'm like, I'm thinking about my fantasy teams. So I got a dynasty league that I'm in. And I won the league two years ago, but my team is starting to get old. So I got Herbert, Aaron Jones, Delvin Cook, Deontay Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, Dallas Goddard, uh, Jarek McKinnon, Brandon Cooks, Justin Tucker, the Niners D, Damian Harris, Smith Schuster. Really good for two years ago when I won, but now I'm worried like it's not that good. And last year I had the 12th pick. So I took Zamir White. We don't do a snake. We It's just one through 12, and then we go one through 12 again. Oh, wow. And I, I took Alec Pierce, my second pick. So I don't think I'm going to get anything out of those guys again this year. So I'm picking ninth. I don't know if people are going to take quarterbacks. We got to see where it is. But, I, I dude, I got to replenish. And then in my other league, um, I'm picking 10th. So what I'm thinking of at 10, it's a big – it's PPR league. You get points for, like, 40-plus yard receptions and things like that. I'm thinking Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams at 10. And then you come back, you get maybe – maybe an A.J. Green on the way back, and then I can get my running backs in the third and fourth round, Jameer Gibbs, Aaron Jones. So if I come out of that with, with those four guys or something in there, I feel like that's a really good first four rounds. So that's where my head's at right now. I'm just going through all sorts of like draft scenarios. Yeah, I think that one guy that's going to be really, really valuable this year is DeAndre Swift, right? Because he's on that that Eagles offense now, and, and they're an absolute juggernaut. Say what you want about whatever happened in, in January, but that's, that's, a, that's still a very, very good team. They were a good team. You like him like for, to catch passes, a lot of, a lot yeah, of passes. To passes. Yeah. To be, to be a receiver out of the backfield, right. And to be featured in, and a lot of times like in the red zone, you, you could see Deandre Swift having a role there. So being able to catch passes out of the backfield, is another outlet for, for Jalen Hurts. So I think that's one guy that I'm looking at. Obviously it goes without saying like guys like Justin Jefferson, Christian McCaffrey, all that, like we know that these guys will produce. Right. But it's, it's more so, I feel like fantasy leagues are won and lost with 
guys that are beyond that, like your, your second, third, and fourth receivers. Because the first guy, you know, okay, cool. I got my Justin Jefferson. I got my Tyreek Hill. Like, we know that those guys will have 1,000-yard seasons. That We know that they're going to be near the top of the league or at the top of the league. I got my Travis Kelsey. That's great. But who who are the guys, number one, that play during bye weeks? And number two, like, injuries and attrition happen. So fantasy has changed a lot over the years, man. Like, with all of the – number one, there's a, an extra game in the NFL season, right, which has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. And – the other thing is, is that now more than ever, players seem to be taking more care of injuries and things like that, more apt to take time off because they're paid more and teams invested them more and teams don't want to lose that investment. So play, team fantasy teams suffer. We've heard so many times about players having fans complain about, oh, well, you're not on my fantasy team or you're not on the field for my fantasy team. You're killing me. And I understand. I understand both sides of it. Fans are really involved, but the players also have to take care of themselves because they have their livelihood. So I think that segues really nicely, Al, into the topic of somebody else who is hopefully going to get paid for his livelihood. One the player should job. worry about my livelihood. I got to win that league money. That's what they should be worried about. <laughs> okay, my how does want to segue yet? <laughs> yeah, so I want. Yeah, we could start. We could start with Bosa. So we're at the point now. So, like I said, we're recording this on a Thursday. It's August thirty first. The Niners play on September tenth. If this is going to happen, I think it's going to happen by the end of the weekend so who knows when this show comes out the deal could be done i I hope so but i'm just kind of thinking about it again and it's just like well why is this taking so long and i know these deals can take time but i i personally think it's ridiculous it's taking this long but i wanted to look at some contracts and look at especially with the niners because this is definitely uncharted territory territory for them and people will say well they've paid guys they have absolutely but let's look at their big their big non-qb contracts Debo's got three years, 71 million. Okay. He got 41 million at signing and his total guarantees are 58 million. They have an out after three years and 58 million. Kittle's total, total contract is five for 75 million, five years, 75 million. He got 30 million at signing 40 total in guarantees. And they had an out four years and 46 million. Trent Williams, which looks, looks like a huge contract, six years, 138 million, but it's 40 million at signing. 55 total guarantees, and there's an out three years, 60 million. And Trent Williams isn't going to play for very, he's not going to be another year or two left. He's not going to probably not going to see that whole deal, most likely. Uh, Fred Warner, five for 95, but he got 27 million at signing, 40 and a half total guarantees, and they have an out three years and 42 million. Now, if you look at some of the big time defensive players in the league, his brother got 102 million in total guarantees in, in 78 million up front, um, or in, in guarantees. And then 108 total or 102 total, however, his Joey Bosa's contract works out. Uh, TJ Watt got 80 million, um, both at signing and total guarantees. Aaron Donald has $95 million contract. It's all it's all guaranteed, um, and that's according to Spotback. So when you look at the numbers the Niners have versus those guys, these total guarantees, Nick Bosa is going to need more than his brother in total guarantees. So if his total guarantees for Joey Bosa was 102 million, and that's the most total guarantees. Is going to have to be north of that. If Aaron Donald had the most sort of upfront guaranteed money, however, this stuff works with contracts and guarantees and total guarantees, whatever, that's 95 million. So your guarantees, Zane, have to be north of 102 million, probably like 110 million. And you just heard those Niners guarantees that I told you. There's none over Debo's got 58 total. That's the most. Bosa might be doubling that. So this is uncharted territory for them. And the Niners, look, man. 
they like to do their thing with contracts and they've been able to do it to this point. And the Bosa's aren't easy to deal with. The Bosa's know their worth and, and they're whatever's going on, whether it's the Niners, whether it's Bosa, whether it's a little bit of both, they're at a stalemate. I don't like it. I think it's ridiculous that it's gone this far, but it's going to be a ridiculous contract. And it's, maybe it's a matter of who books first. Let's make it clear to everyone here that doesn't already know the 49ers cannot win a championship without Nick Bosa. They cannot do it without Nick Bosa. He has to be playing. He has to be playing well. He has to be the defensive player of the year for them to be able to make that championship run. And the reason why I say that is because they didn't do enough to insulate themselves to be without Bosa at all. We talked about this in the past about how you were scared about the, the DN spot opposite Bosa. Drake Jackson was there, but there's really not a lot behind him. Now, Nick Bosa himself may miss the first game. We don't know. I don't want to say that he will or won't, but they did little to nothing on a position of need in the offseason, and now it could possibly come, come up to bite them. And I think that this is not necessarily something we should worry about, getting Bosa signed. Obviously, they're going to sign him, but the problem is, is that you all of a sudden create distractions for a team that is really hoping to to take the next step and seal the deal. They've, they've been on the doorstep for the last several years. They're not far. I think we can agree on that. The Niners are not far away from winning a championship. And they need as little distractions as possible. The, the whole Trey Lance thing, we've talked about that ad nauseum. That was a huge distraction. Hopefully that's done, all said and done now. We don't need to bring it up anymore. Now the, the whole Bosa thing where it's just, like you said, dragged on way too long for a player of his caliber. And I just don't understand if this is a guy that you need, you should be bending over backwards to be able to make this happen. This should not be dragged out until August, the end of August, Thursday, August 31st, beyond, without a contract resolution. And especially after John Lynch came out in the spring, it was like, oh, we budgeted for it. Well, I mean, if you budgeted for it, then what's the issue? I think, Al, the, Well, what did they budget? What was well, the, that's what the other thing. I was say, what, what is the budget, what? right? And the second thing is, is that I understand that Bosa is probably going to want to be the, the highest paid defender ever, but that's going to last about a season until Micah Parsons' contract is up. So that's that's the reality. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. Micah Parsons is a better player, but that's just how it goes. I believe, um, who was it? Uh, TJ Hawkinson just signed the, the richest tight end deal ever. Yeah. And he is not the best tight end in the, in the league. I wouldn't even consider him top five. And wow. he signed the well. It's he's maybe five. He's he's five. Like I would say, it, it, it's like Kelsey Kittle, Waller, um, and well, Kelsey and Kittle and Andrews are better than him for sure, for sure. Yeah, and then I put Waller above it as well, right? Like so, I would say that that maybe four to five. So, uh, but we're splitting here as well. A lot, a lot of love for the Detroit Lions, by the way. Anyways, uh, I think that yeah, that's that's what it comes down to, Al, is that they need to get this done. They need to get this wrapped up. Eliminate the distraction. Let's get going and. I, I can't wait to talk about like and fight about off uh, or on field stuff instead of the off field stuff. Hawkinson's on the Vikings now. Sound like he got, oh he got traded right or he he yeah. resigned he signed with the Vikings right? Yeah, that's what happens when you drink during the show, Zane. That's what happens. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, so you said you said insulate insulate yourself from Nick Bosa. I don't know that or that you can. I think he's that kind of a player where like yeah. I don't think you can it like you say with a quarterback. Oh, somebody, they've always talked about insulating yourself because if somebody gets hurt, but like you can't insulate yourself with Patrick Mahomes, right? Or like yeah. 
Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or, or Joe Burrow. I kind of feel that it's that way with Bosa. Like he's so good. He's so great. He is a top. He, you could argue he's the best defensive player in the league. If not, he's in the conversation with Aaron Donald. And like you said, Micah Parsons, um, TJ Watt, he's right there with miles Garrett. It's, it's, it's those guys. Those guys are the dudes. He is an elite player. He is the type of guy that we may talk about by the time this is said and done with Ronnie Lott, right? Yeah. With Charles Haley, with these, with these, with Patrick Willis, with these all time 49ers. He can become the third player since 1982 with 15 plus sacks in three of his first five career seasons. And one of those seasons, he missed the whole year. So he may have already had that if he didn't yeah. get hurt that year. He is an indispensable part of your team. And, and, and they need to get this done. And, and, and I, again, think that they will. My concern is just that I don't want him signing two days before week one. He'll, he'll be on a pitch count, pitch count for a couple weeks. You don't want to see them lose a game they should win. You don't want to see him in Chris Jones territory where he's talking about he's going to be out for eight games. But mm-hmm. let's see where it goes. Like I said, I think by the, end, by the end of the weekend, he will hopefully be signed and cooler heads will prevail. But we'll see with that. But just an indispensable dude. He's going to get a bag. He's going to get paid. I'm interested to see the final numbers. What will piss me off is if if the contract comes out and it's like, well, that's what we expected it to be. Then it's yeah. kind of like, what what was the holdup for all this time, right? Why yeah. why did it take this long? But if it comes out and like, dude got 140 million guaranteed or something ridiculous in total guarantees, and you're like, oh shit, okay, like the Niners had to kind of go over their out of their comfort zone to get this done then we'll see but if it comes out where it's where we thought it was i'm gonna kind of be like what were you thinking i mean it has to be significantly more than the next guy right there has to be some sort of thing that's holding us up because you remember when ricky henderson said i don't care what kind of deal i get just pay me one dollar more than the other guy i think that i don't think ricky gonna ricky yep ricky gonna ricky right i don't (laughs) think it's that that type of situation but that being said, I think it's 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 something that's more significant than than a dollar or like a hundred k over over the next guy, and I think that he's probably trying to set himself up. Maybe it's the years thing. Maybe he wants to be able to renegotiate when he's twenty eight or twenty nine years old, as opposed to signing like a six year deal. And you're and you're signing a new deal when you're or you're you're looking for an extension or a new deal from another team at the age of thirty one, as opposed to the age of of twenty nine, for example. So maybe it's one of those things where the number of years is is the, is the holdup, but. Look, at the end of the day, this guy is is top three pass rusher in the league right now. And he's certainly not third, in my opinion. So when you have somebody like he's out of that caliber, like you just you you gotta get it done. You can't, you cannot let this linger. So hopefully they get it done. And I hope that he's out there for week one. I expect by now, like you said, pitch count. He's not playing, he's not maybe not starting. He'll play some. He's not playing the full game week one. There's no way. Without a camp, there's no way. At this point, I'd be surprised. Even if he signs in 30 minutes from now, I, I, I think you're pushing it. There's a story about Ricky Henderson, and I, I forgot who won the stolen base title that year, but he was hurt one year. And the person yeah. who won the stolen base title, maybe I don't know, it's, I don't remember who it was, 70 stolen bases or whatever it is. So they're telling the story. Might have been Vince Coleman. I don't know. I was going to say, but I, I get Vince a phone. Yeah. Was it? You know where I'm going with this? He gets a phone yeah, call yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. like, uh, he just goes, I answer the phone and he goes, Phew. 70 steals. Ricky had 70 by the all-star break and he just hung up on him. <laughs> and he was like, it was Ricky Henderson. He's crazy. He's a crazy person. But yeah, one of the, one of just Ricky Henderson was great, man. Um, I was kind of little young when he was on the Yankees. So yeah. I don't totally remember it, but. Um, he overlapped two of our yeah. two favorite teams growing up, right? Like he overlapped the Yankees and, and the, uh, the A's and the as A's. well. So yeah. Yeah. 
He's one of my favorite. All right, time. so this Kyle press conference the other day, which was pure comedy to me, um, got a little testy with the, with our our friend friend Matt Mayoko. Um, it seemed when Matt asked him about the Jimmy Garoppolo interview that he did for maybe SI, where he was talking about the situation in San Francisco, and he said it got a little weird. He said a lot of things are weird over there, and uh, the whoever was interviewing him said, "How would you?" say they handled it and he was like how would you say they handled it and the guy said messy and jimmy was like yeah that's a good way to put it so matt brought it up at this press conference and kyle seemed a little irritated that matt said that um about the qb situations being weird he called the trey situation unusual because it was a third overall pick that didn't work out they traded up a bunch of picks for him whatever mincing words i think what matt meant is the way sort of it's not that they moved on from jimmy it's not that they moved on from trey it's it's the awkwardness and the drama that ensued while they were doing it i think that's what matt was talking about and kyle didn't seem like he wanted any part of talking about that and it's crazy because you have this head coach who has won 10 plus games three of the last four years he's made the nfc championship and won super bowl in three of the last four years and he's taken shots left and right right so I get with him where he's kind of like, what the fuck, man? Like, I'm out here winning playoff games. What, what, do you, what, what, do you, what, do you, what are you asking me these questions for? But on the flip side, he has handled things poorly in terms of maybe the human relations department of it all. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily on the field. But with the Jimmy stuff, it got awkward. We've talked about it a million times where he they're publicly looking. Well, Tom Brady wants to sign there. They say no because they have Jimmy. And then a year later, they want, want to get rid of Jimmy. They publicly look for quarterbacks in 2021. Kyle's on Sean McVay's podcast after they have Jimmy and Trey, and they're like, oh, hey, I really wanted Stafford. It's really weird and awkward for Jimmy in 2021. He says goodbye, and then he ends up coming back and practicing on a side field (laughs) until they need him. And then we know what's happened with Lance, where they were just like, this guy sucks. We're not, we don't want any part of him. So it has been weird and awkward. So I just feel like, I I know you haven't really spoke on the Trey Lance stuff saying, so I'm sure you have things to say, but like, I feel like if Kyle was just like, you know what? It was a little awkward. We were trying to make changes at the quarterback position. Jimmy, for whatever reason, injury, Trey wasn't completely ready, ended up staying longer than we had anticipated. If it got awkward, that's on me. But Brock Purdy's our starter now. We're moving forward. If he just said something like that, I think people would be like, all right, man, cool, dude. But he's got to, got to, he gets defensive. And then you have a certain part of the, we have a certain part of the fan base who thinks he's Teflon. And then a certain part of the fan base who's like, Dude, seriously, like, just admit, like, it was kind of dysfunctional, man. And I think even the media is kind of starting to get, like, like, dude. And you can be an asshole and be a great head coach. Bill Belichick's been doing it for decades. But, you know, it's just kind of, like, just own up to it that it was weird. Everybody knows it is. Just own up to it. I feel like, and the Trey Lance situation, first of all, let me let me address that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get a chance to rant on that. And, and I, I kind of wish I did. Because it's we're so far past that now that it doesn't make sense to hash that back up. But that was a total debacle. And I, and I made that clear on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's called right now. And I made that clear how it was so poorly handled from, from all sides, except for Trey. Like, he was just basically just being told where to go. And you have to understand, when, when you make a gaffe that big, people are going to come for your ass. They're going to absolutely come after you. And they're going to find whatever way that they can hold you accountable. Like I, it's, it's funny how I see some people post and they're like, Oh, hold Kyle accountable. And I'm like, what are you going to do? It's just 
suspend him for the first four games? Is he going to suspend himself for the first four games because of a bad pick? Like, there's only so much accountability that. And look, I've been critical of Kyle a lot on our show, but there's only mm-hmm. so much accountability that you can have them take, right? Like, he's still a good coach. They're still winning, so I understand that. While that that whole Trey Lance thing was a total mess and debacle in a in a, a fireable offense in most cases, that didn't necessarily hurt their team. It was a move that could have significantly helped the team. We don't know how much it hurt the team because we don't know what they would have done with those with those extra first round picks. And they're still a Super Bowl contender despite not having yeah. those first round picks. We'll see the the ripple effect in years down yeah, the line. We'll know in a couple of years. We'll mm-hmm. But right now, as of as of this this window, this two year window that they have. I don't know how we can measure that impact of those those draft picks lost. So so that that kind of is what it is. But the way that he replied to Mayoko, I so I'm I'm honestly okay with it. I'm cool with how Mayoko asked the question. I'm cool with how Kyle replied to it. I think it's funny that he replied that way that he's defensive, mm-hmm. but it was weird. And I think Kyle knows that deep down that it was weird, and that's why he's not really addressing. He's like, well, that's I guess his way of acknowledging, like, yeah, it was it was kind of weird, and I acknowledge that it was unorthodox, and it didn't work out, and I'm tired of talking about it, right? I think that that's that's his stance on it. I can't speak for him, but mm-hmm. Al, like, they they had Jimmy on the, on the kitty field, not even in the playbook. Right. It was, and they started right. him like a few weeks later. It's just the most odd situation. How can you not say that's weird? And so Larry Kruger, our friend uh, of the show, was on 95.7 The Game today in the morning, and he talked about uh, the the time when Steve Young and Joe Montana were going through their thing in the in the early 90s, this is before Joe was traded. Yeah. And Steve Young, in training camp, Steve Young was taking all the first team snaps, and Joe was basically told to stay out of the locker room and dress somewhere else because he was too much of a distraction. Can you imagine that? And this oh, is a true story. Confirmed that this is a true story. You remember the what Dexter greatest... Carter told us about yeah. them? Pra- Joe wouldn't practice. Joe would practice separate of the team. Yeah, yeah it was ninety-two. I mean, like yeah. if that happened uh, now, could you imagine if if they were like, oh, yeah, Trey or Trey Lance practices separate of the team? It would it would be insane. Like people would go lose their minds. Yeah. So the, I, exactly, and and I saw that you you also posted about that earlier too, and and we'll get to that in a second. But I think that. Every team has a weird situation like this when they have two quarterbacks that are starting caliber. Like, so it's going to be weird for somebody, right? That's the that's the honest truth. But that being said, there are certain things that you can do to mitigate the weirdness. And I think being transparent is one of them and taking accountability is one of them. Kyle did take accountability for the trade. He said, look, that was my bad. I let Trey down. He did. And I appreciate that. He, he was a man. He, he, t- he took it like a man and he, and he took one on the chin. So I appreciate that. But at the same time, it's like, all right, that's going to hang over your head until until that whole situation gets rectified where you win a championship and you're you are able to put all these things to bed because at the end of the day these are things that are detracting away from the end goal and until you reach that end goal they're unfortunately going to hang over his head like just like 28 to 3 did which is unfair to him because he's the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. but that hangs over his head right. he he's going to yeah he's going to have that black cloud until he 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 wins a championship um yeah and i saw something where someone had compared the Chris Jones situation to the Nick Bosa situation. And it's not, it is not the same. The chiefs have the greatest quarterback in the world and they've won two super bowls. Yeah. Not the same. If, if Kyle had a super bowl, maybe you're like, all right, you know, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. he, he doesn't. So, you know, with him, he, he, he's it's, again, it's, it's not anything where anybody wants to fire him. It's okay as a fan to 
you could you could love 95% of the things about a team, but if 5% of it pisses you off and you want to be vocal, good for you. Go for it. Mm-hmm. It's part of being a fan. You know what I mean? And Kyle is yeah. not perfect. Not at all. He's but he's a good coach. As long as he keeps winning games, he's he's gonna be in he's gonna be in San Francisco. It's just the way it is. So let's see what happens this year. Hopefully Purdy's the real deal. And you know, we'll we'll go from there. Um, but they love Brock and you know, we're fans of Brock too. And you look at the 53 man roster, Zane, and you know, we're not gonna go through it like player by player, but maybe just look at this thing and, and see some positions that position groups we like and maybe some we're worried about. And we'll start with the quarterbacks and the three that are there are Darnold, well, Purdy first, and then Darnold and um, Brandon Allen, which we've been, I've been saying for like the last six weeks, that's what it was going to be. And here we are. Um, but there's so much that's been made about the backup quarterback position. It was going to be QB three. And when you look around the league, who gives a shit? Nobody's talking about, nobody is like on in Buffalo, like, oh, you know, yeah, we got Josh, but you know, I was really concerned about uh, Kyle Allen and, and Matt Barkley, who was going to get the two and three or, Joe Burrow in Cincinnati or, or Patrick Mahomes or in, in Philadelphia. No, nobody cares because um, do you remember, Tom Moore was the OC for the Colts. I remember somebody asked him like, it was Jim Sorge or whoever it was. Why, why is Sorge not getting reps? Cause he was like, cause if 18 meaning Peyton Manning is hurt, we're fucked. And we don't practice fucked. And it's, it's gotta be the same thing here. Brock Purdy's your starting QB. If Brock Purdy gets hurt, you're probably not winning the Super Bowl. Purdy right. last year was something that almost never happens. What in the history of the NFL? Nick Foles came in as a backup, and he was a starter for a while, but he came in as a backup and won a Super Bowl. Doug Williams, Jeff Hostetler, back in the 80s, early 90s. It just doesn't happen a lot. So if if Brock Purdy goes down, the notion that Sam Darnold or Brandon Allen or even Trey Lance, the way he was playing, is going to win a Super Bowl is ridiculous. So Purdy's your dude. That's your starter. That's hopefully your franchise QB for the next 10, 15 years. So that's the QB room. And I think it's a solid QB room. I do. And if Purdy does what he did last year, they're in really good shape. Really good shape. Yeah, it's very uncommon to have what you had last year with the 49ers where they had a QB room through full, full of three competent QBs that could run the offense. It's very rare that you have that. And I feel like in a lot of ways, they were very fortunate and lucky to have that situation. A lot of stars had a line for that to happen. That's just mm-hmm. not the reality for most teams. And the reason why is because you can't, you can't afford to carry three QBs like that. The reason why is because two of those QBs last year, Lance and, and Purdy were on rookie contracts. They were able to do it. So, and, and Jimmy took a pay cut. So I think that again, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that they, they're effed if Purdy goes down, there's no way that, that you'll have another Brock Purdy situation coming in. He's not, there's no, there is no situation like that on the roster. Sam Darnold might is, make the playoffs, but. I don't think there's a football team. I don't think they'll do it. Yeah. Sam Darnold is maybe good enough to win you. Like, I'm not big on the Sam Darnold. And I've never have been. I feel like he's Blaine Gabbert 2.0. And if you look statistically, I pointed this out a few weeks ago when people didn't believe it. Statistically, they're almost identical in touchdown percentage, interception percentage, completion percentage, rating, yards per game. Mm-hmm. They're almost identical. And you could, or people argue that's, well, Sam Darnold played on some terrible teams. So did Blaine Gabbert. So, I mean, they're, they're basically the same guy, and that's what worries me. And I feel like Kyle, again, one of the things about him is that that makes him great but also holds him back is that he's incredibly arrogant, and he feels like he can win with anybody. And I feel like Sam Darnold is the guy. What I'm worried Kyle about Kyle is now, system over player, baby. System over exactly. player. 
and you know exactly what I'm worried about, where I'm going here, where if they go one and four or oh and three or one and five or something like that to start the season, is he going to get an itchy trigger finger and start looking on looking at the bench at Darnold to see, well, maybe we'll, we'll see what we have there. And that's just really scary to me because that's, that's basically waving the white flag for the season at that point. So I, I'm not crazy about the QB room, but the fact that they have their guy, that's that the overarching thing to me, this off season, Al has been, it doesn't matter what happens from QB two through four. They've got mm-hmm. QB one, so nothing, nothing below that really matters to me at the end of the day. But the problem is, is that in the NFL, how many QBs are starting and finishing the season without missing a game? And do you have a guy that's good enough to win a game or two? And Sam Darnold, maybe, maybe he is. We'll see. Yeah, and Purdy's looked decisive. He's looked accurate. He looks like he knows where, he go, where to go with the ball. So a lot of good things. I'm excited to see him play this year, a full season, hopefully. <laughs> Running backs, look, Christian McCaffrey changed the whole identity of the 49ers when he came here and, and and he's looking to become the fourth running back in NFL history with at least four career seasons of a thousand rushing yards and 500 receiving yards and maybe he can even go a thousand a thousand this year I, I think he can be that involved in the offense when you look at what he did he did last year for this team 11 games really 10 because he didn't play that much his, his first game 746 rushing yards uh 52 catches 464 receiving yards he had uh, 1,210 yards from scrimmage and 10 total TDs, and I guess what was 11 total games. So he can, he is. I was on Team Pay No Running Back until I saw him play <laughs> every day when you really appreciate it, or every week, I should say, yeah. when you really appreciate it. Behind him, a little worrisome because there is such a drop off because he can do so much. Now, they were fine without him before in terms of being a very good team, but McCaffrey is sort of that ingredient that makes you like a, a real serious Super Bowl contender, I feel like. So Elijah, Mich- Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, when he's on the field, explosive back, like Jordan Mason, TDP, we'll see. But McCaff- McCaffrey is as good as it gets in, in terms of all around running backs. Yeah, like they're, they're running back room. This is one of the this is one of the stronger groups. TDP really had a good preseason. I, they really try to feature him with with some of the ones and I felt like he did well. Jordan Mason also had a really good preseason too, aside from the fumble at the goal line. So that is a group that I'm not really worried about because that's a group that number one, Bobby Turner is one of the best running backs and coaches in the history of the game. He's coaching them. And on top of that, you've got Kyle whose system just makes any running back look really, really good because of the, 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 the blocking scheme. So that's one group that I'm not really worried about. I'm excited. I'm actually excited to see packages where you've got, CMC and Mitchell on the field at the same time. We didn't see that too much last year because Mitchell got hurt, but it's going to be really mm-hmm. fun to see multiple running backs on the field that can catch and run the ball at the same time. Now the receivers, really, this group is going to go as far as Ayuk Samuel and, and Juwan Jennings takes them. And, and, and Ayuk and Samuel are just, you know, you're talking one and one A there, just really terrific receivers. And Debo had a down year last season, uh, 232 rushing yards. Um, he only, had 632 receiving yards, 56 receptions and 13 total games. He was motivated. He said himself he wasn't happy with last season. Brandon Ayuk looks ready to absolutely explode with, with the way he's looked in the preseason. And last year he had 78 catches for over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns. I think this year he has one of those big seasons where it's 12, 1300 yards, 90, 95 catches. 
those two guys, like I said, one and one A, and you have Jennings, who's a tough receiver as well. Those are the three guys. I, I like the promise of Ronnie Bell. I do. Um, Ray Ray McLeod, when he gets back from his injury, he had some big plays last year. But those three guys are, are, are what's going to make the receiver group go. And I, I feel good about it. I think those are a really solid top three. And like I said, you have Ayuk and Samuel who are one and one A. I think any team would take those two. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't want to I don't want to gloss over the top guys, but you I feel like you summarized that really well. I'm excited about Ronnie Bell. I'm really excited about what they have there because he flashed a lot. Again, preseason is just preseason, right? But it seems like mm-hmm. they've got a little mini Debo there, right? With with the way that he runs and and he's got yeah. that punt returnability and that that short space quickness, maybe not top end speed, but he's got the short space quickness that Kyle really covets in this offense when you just got to get the, you just got to distribute. Like I've seen you post so many times when Purdy's playing quarterback, like just play point guard, get the ball yeah, in their hands yeah. and let them do the rest. And guys like Ronnie Bell and obviously Debo and Ayuk, those guys, those type of guys thrive in this offense. And I think too, with if Ayuk for whatever reason, they don't sign him long-term and I don't even want to think about that right now. If you get a guy in the seventh round who can maybe step in and replace him or that you feel good about starting opposite Debo or whatever, whatever happens in a year or two, it's huge. And yeah, he's, he's shown a lot of promise. I'm, I'm excited about him too. All right. So in the tight ends. So the Niners were hoping that we talked about insulating things earlier that Latu would come in and is a third round pick and be able to, to obviously he's not going to go for George Kittle, maybe in a few years, there's somebody they can mix in this year. And, and, and he just, it, it didn't happen. He got hurt. He looked terrible in the preseason. So right now they're going to roll with Kittle, who's a little banged up right now, which is scary because um, Kittle plays hard and he misses games every year. He just does. Mm-hmm. And you have Warner and Dwelly and Willis. So once again, behind Kittle, there's not anything that excites you. So if he's not on the field again, it's you have to hope that he's available for 14 of the 17 games and that he's available for, for the postseason. Kittle is a superstar, but I hope they I wanted them to do more this offseason to get a second pin end. I don't think they did that. Yeah. And look, they've got guys in Dwelly and Warner that know the system that are that are good, solid players, but that's that's nowhere near. And again, the similar to Patrick Mahomes thing, you don't you can't just mitigate George Kittle going down, right? You can't insulate from right. that happening because he's such he's such an impactful player, both in the run and pass game. So really I think that you have to do your best to keep him healthy because we know that he had the way that he plays, he may not, he may not stay healthy during the season. So again, another position where they didn't, I didn't really think they needed to do anything there because they've got guys that they trust that are good enough. Like Dwelly's a Dwelly's a good enough blocker. And I trust Warner as a blocker as well. Like they're okay. Dwelly's Dwelly's better, a better pass catcher than he is a blocker to me, especially in the red zone. So I think that they're okay there. Did it? Would I want some comp, some more competition? Sure, but I think we're splitting hairs a little bit. Latu was supposed to be that guy, but he he can't hang on to the ball and he got hurt. But I think they need it for they need to develop it for years down the road. You know what yeah. I mean? We talk about that two year window. I think they were trying to bring in guys this year who could supplant George Kittle in two three years whenever he's done. I don't think they did that. It doesn't look so yeah. any, that way anyway. So they may have to address it again next year. That that's what scares me about the tight end position. Now offensive line. We know we have in Trent Williams, and I think we know what we have in Banks, Brendel, and Burford. I think that's solid enough. Yeah. Don't know what we have in McKibbitts. We're going to find out. And if it's not good, I don't love what's behind him. Jalen Moore, Matt Pryor. I liked Il Manning, who the Cardinals picked up. He didn't make it to the Niners mm-hmm. practice squad. 
Yeah. Inside of the offensive line worries me if there's an injury. Nick Sakel was awful this preseason. And Feliciano's at that, so maybe he could step in and be okay. But I, I don't know that he could fill in as well as Daniel Brunskill did, who split time with uh, Burford and, and could play any position, really. So the offensive line, and we'll get into this defensive line too, the depth there definitely has me concerned a little bit. Yeah, like I don't understand how Nick Sakel made the team over Il Manning. I, I just don't. I just don't get it. Is it because Zakel would pick up the system quicker and knows the system more, or is it? I just, I just don't understand the logic behind that. So, I the the third round Jake Moody pick really bothered me because Blake Freeland was on the board at that time, offensive lineman, and I and he went like seven picks later. And, and he's done well I, so far. And he's done well so far. And I feel like that should have been the pick in the third round. I was pounding the table for that and. They, I just, I just feel like again, like they're they're walking a tightrope here, Al, with several position groups, and they're hoping that attrition doesn't hit them. But if you run in a situation where you're missing multiple offensive linemen, they could be in trouble. Yeah, and you go to the defensive line in terms of depth too, and I didn't even realize this. Um, someone had asked Kyle Shanahan, and I apologize, I don't know who this is or who asked it. Last year, you guys were really good against the run, but the last two preseason games gave up about six and a half yards of carry. He asked what the film showed him and he's concerned about the, the D. And, and Kyle basically said, you know, I'd be extremely concerned off the preseason games, but he doesn't want to look too much into that, hoping they'll figure it out during, during the regular season. And the Niners look really good top-heavy-wise, with assuming Bosa's there anyway, on the defensive line. You have Bosa and Armstead and Hargrave. You put me or you on the other end, right? It kind of feels like that way with those three guys. But you don't have Bosa right now, and he may be on a pitch count. So do you feel good if you're starting defensive ends or Cleveland Furl and, and Drake Jackson? I don't. I don't feel good about that. I don't feel good with Austin Bryant. I don't feel good with Terry Hyder at this stage of his career. Um, and in the inside, they have Givens and Kalia Davis and Javon Kinlaw, who, again, hasn't looked great at times. So I think it's a very – Top heavy in this defensive line, they don't have the Ebu Combs. You know, they they don't have the Amenahues. There's there's the guys that you can just kind of plug in that they don't have. Now, can Kosurik coach up these other guys? We'll see. Still think it's going to be a very good defensive line, but I don't think it has the depth that it did in previous years. And obviously it's contingent upon the big fish, which is Bosa. Yeah. Also, Jordan Willis got released. So that's another thing that we should know is that I Jordan did Willis see that. Got, yeah. So. That could be that could be a candidate to come back, right? I think that that Maybe. would be a guy that I would love to see him back. But that is this is the group that worries the most me the most, and I think that we we're both in agreement about this, and we've been in agreement about this since the the draft ended, where they didn't really do much with this group to be able to get them get themselves some depth that's that's reliable. Mm-hmm. I obviously the Hargrave signing was a home run. I feel like I think that's going to be that's going to be a really great fit. Armstead is this, the the stalwart there the the grizzled vet and there's a bunch of unknowns there's there's Drake Jackson who were they're expecting a lot out of had a good preseason but again it's just preseason let's see if we can put it together and Nicholas John Bosa needs to be on the other side simple as that get him signed get him in linebackers I mean they just keep turning them out Fred Warner Drake Greenlaw we know Greenlaw's banged up right now Oren Burke's terrific special teams player Love the two rookies, Winners and Graham, and then Flanagan Fowles is still there. They kept six of them, but those guys are all really talented. That's There's not much to say about the group. I feel like Warner's the best in the league. Greenlaw's yeah. probably top 10. Uh, they're going to be really solid there again. Best best one-two punch. Plus, uh, Graham, last pick in the draft. 
draft, second year in a row, last pick in the draft makes the team. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah, it was really, really he's, cool. He looked, I really like right? the way he looked in the preseason. So the corners, we know Mooney Ward. Lenore played really well last year. He might even kick inside to nickel, the way things have looked at nickel. And then so. maybe Emory Thomas starts outside. We'll see what happens. Sam Womack is there. Isaiah Oliver had an awful preseason. Awful. He was terrible. And he made the team because of his contract. And yeah. you have Jameson, who the Panthers ended up signing, who they cut. Might have been a good guy to bring in and develop, but you know, you pay enough. They paid him $30 million or anything. I think it was maybe five or six guaranteed. And I know he yeah. was a guy that Steve Wilkes pounded the table for, but he played like shit the preseason. So yeah. that's a bit of a worry for me. I still think they're going to be good at the cornerback position. There's enough talent there. And hopefully Oliver can look like the way he did towards the end of last year. I'm not concerned about it. And also, Ambry, yeah, Ambry Thomas is another guy that that could possibly kick outside if Lenore kicks inside. So, again, like, there's yeah. one guy I'm worried about. It's it's Isaiah Oliver. That's it. That's the only person I'm worried about in this position group. They're all – everybody else has played has played well. I feel like Sam Womack should get more of a shot. He was playing really, really well last season, the beginning of the season. And mm -hmm. for whatever reason, he, he didn't get reps. But Lenore's uh, – emergence kind of mitigated all of that and, and we were okay and jimmy ward playing playing slot or playing the third cornerback was was kind of uh, a mitigating factor as well so safeties gibson and funga are both banged up right now funga's got that cyst on his leg or some shit. i don't yeah. even i don't even know what that's all about i'm like terrified he's gonna miss like three or four games based on that yeah we'll find out i fucking hope not um because then you have george odom and jair brown and then I, I like on the practice squad, I like Quantrez Knight, very versatile dude. Yeah, me too. I like that he cleared waivers and Niners were able to get him back. So you feel good about the starting safeties. Again, if those injuries linger and you got Odom and a rookie, I would worry about that. But again, it's you look at the Niners defense all the way through. On the top, the starters feel really good about. I don't know about the yeah. other defensive end position, but at least everybody else, I, I feel really, really good about. When you get into the depth here, I don't feel like it has been in, in previous years, and, and that would scare me a bit. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's going to be a bad think, defense by a stretch of the imagination. No, no. They, if some injuries they, happen, there could be some cracks. Yeah. I think they, they may take a step back at the beginning. Like, we we don't know what's going to happen with the new defensive coordinator, getting used to the scheme, things like that. They're, they're going to blitz a lot more, which is how Steve Wilkes kind of operates his defense. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's going to be really interesting. Al, special teams, <laughs> do we even need to address this stupid kicker situation? <laughs> Well, and I think the return situation because Ronnie Bell, for as, as, as many plays as he made, he the ball bounces out of his hands. It seems like a lot. A couple fumbles mm -hmm. that he, they got back, but there's we well with the receiver stuff is different than returning, obviously. But balls that bounced off his hands or his helmet, but that's a little scary having him back there right now to return kicks if that's where it ends up being. And Jake Moody looked all over the place before he got injured, and it, it, I even I already forgot the guy the name of the guy they signed right. Is that his name? He kicked for Jacksonville. He kicked for Pittsburgh, um, who would fill in for Moody if Moody's not ready by week one. But that's a concern. Special teams can lose you games. And again, we're talking this season. You want to go 13 and four or whatever and get the bye. If you lose a game or two that you should have won because your special teams sucks, or you miss a kick or you fumble a punt, that's a problem. So I, I kind of hope they were going to find a kick returner somewhere to plug in there until McLeod came back. But I don't know, man. I'm just going to kind of hold my breath every time. They have to attempt a field goal or field the punt right now at this point. Just go for two every time. I mean, I, the percentage people say, "Oh, the the percentage tells you that." I feel like I'd be more comfortable with the 49ers getting two yards in the Kyle Shanahan offense. I could run or throw the ball 
rather than trusting a guy that you've never seen kick, kick a 33-yard extra point. I, that's just me, though. I hope he's not that bad. I hope it doesn't come to that. Dude, if it comes to that, if it comes to that, and you're talking Lance and Bosa, and then your third-round kicker can't make an extra point, oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean, it's already been comically bad this offseason. It's, it's just been so weird. It's been bad. It's like, been weird. A, it's been no, it's been a bad. We're ready for the season to start. There's yeah, been just a lot of things that start. haven't sat right, but we're almost here, and said a week away from the kickoff, and then the Niners in about ten days. So hopefully, when you're listening to this, Nick Bosa signed. If not, yep. hopefully it's shortly thereafter because it gets into next week, and I'm gonna be in a really bad fucking mood. So yep. prepare yourself for that. We had a record prediction show coming up too, so keep your we do. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do go through the schedule and predict the records. Um, and do that. So, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. For Zane, I'm Al. Peace. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 